I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found check battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Boathunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Tacticam. Tacticam is by far the easiest way to begin filming your hunts. Whether it's the budget-friendly Solo or the 4K 5.0, Tacticam has something for everyone. Check them out at Tacticam.com. This year we're also working with Spartan Forge. Spartan Forge is machine learning for the deer woods. Basically, Spartan Forge takes collar deer studies, insurance car deer accident information, social media geolocations, and it couples that with weather, moon phase, and rut activity to tell you when or when not to be in the woods. This currently has an online interface at spartanforge.ai, but the app is currently being built and set to launch late summer. Once the app goes live, you can expect there to be a price increase. But if you use code BOWHUNTER, you can save 25%, and that will stick with you as long as you use the Spartan Forge services. So head on over to spartanforge.ai and get your free 14-day trial. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. Going to do a quick bs session with john and i kind of answering some patreon questions um going over our gear setups talking about what's changed with us for this year and uh kind of like what we got uh on deck uh uncle frank is uh off camping man this summer's been just crazy for trying to get people nailed down um Gotta give a quick shout out to our latest Patreons, Tyler Manning and Joseph Davis, uh, both Michigan guys. Uh, can't thank you enough. Um, so they're going to be entered into uh, the quarterly drawings. Uh, Patreon is basically a crowdfunding for creators, and basically what that does is that allows us to, you know, take some of these hunts to kind of go to the ATA shows, uh, test out this gear. Um, you know, all of that. We've got some gear that. I mean, I'm sending saddles out here. Uh, to New York, to Eric, to uh, show off at the Tethered Teaching Train that they're hosting. Um, you know, I've been sending them around the country to different guys, and uh, I'm just trying to get things in guys' hands that want to, um, you know, want to test them out. And uh, it allows us to answer questions uh, specifically on different pieces of gear um, and kind of point guys in the right direction. 
and uh, it allows them, like I said, to get into those quarterly giveaways. Uh, this quarter, we're giving away a full saddle setup. Uh, we're giving away uh, Latitude, um, one of their Method 2s. Uh, we're going to give away the Tethered 1 sticks that we've got. Um, and then we're going to give away a platform to go along with that. Probably going to be the Trophy Line EDP. Uh, along with that, um, Tacticam, one of our uh, sponsors that you heard about in the intro, uh, they're giving uh, one of their LR spotters. So basically, um, it's it's an all-in-one attached to your uh, spotting scope. You can zoom in. John used it out in Montana. Um, really pretty slick, and uh, we've been testing it out. Uh, real cool, and they're going to give away one of those this quarter. Um, base map, I got Ed coming on. He's He keeps feeding me these lines about this industry-changing uh, stuff they've got coming on. It's coming at the end of the month, and we're getting up here on the end of the month, so um, we're going to have some information with uh, base map. But, you know, base map um, – for the price is I mean, even not for the price, but you know, for thirty bucks for the entire year, you get every single state, um, so many layers. Like right now, um, I've been tracking the wildfires out in Colorado, uh, where Frank and I are going. Uh, we're going to two different areas um, and being able to look at the the wildfires in real time. Um, do all of our scouting. Uh, Base map has added this new feature where you can say this is where I'm at and it's got um, basically a ruler on there that tells that you how far away uh, any of this stuff is. So when you're trying to find your waypoints, um, it's incredible. And you can use uh, code chronicles to save 20%. So that makes it $2 a month, $24 for the entire year for the entire country. Um, you got to do that online uh, because you, you know, Apple or Android, they take money um, just for buying it on your phone. So if you go online to the, the base map website, uh, you put in code Chronicles, save 20%. It takes you an extra minute or two. But, I mean, it's just well worth the money um, if you're not using it. Uh, but they give away one of their year subscriptions as well as a swag pack with a hat and shirt. Um, Spartan Forge, as you heard about in the intro, we're working with them. Um, they're giving away a subscription to their app as well. Um, that app is due out here any minute, and um, that's going to have a whole bunch of features uh, above what's on the website. You can go on the website right now and try a 14-day trial, um, just kind of see what it's all about. But they're giving away one of those. If you use code BOWHUNTER on their website, you can save 25%. Nobody's got 25% off. It's not very expensive as it is. As soon as the app comes out, it's going to be more expensive. So this would be probably the best time to jump on there if you're thinking about it. And I think, you know, last I checked, it was like $15 for the entire year. So take 25% off of that, and then you'll have that price for the entirety of um the your service with them so next year the price won't go up for you if you're grandfathered in at that 25 percent off price um, and then zinger fletchings they're giving away zinger fletchings and stan i know you're listening to this i still need what arrows you're shooting he won our last quarterly giveaway uh, but they're giving away a, a pack of uh, zinger fletchings shot those at the total archery challenge go back and listen to that podcast if you want to see how they fared but i can tell you this john was impressed with them so that is uh 
you know, high praise in and of itself. Um, so if you want to check out any of that, you want to be involved, you want to support the show, you want to help us out, um, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. Just click, click our link in uh, the bio on Instagram. You can go to our website, bowhunterchronicles.com, and click on the Patreon link. All of that helps us. And, you know, thank you to Tyler and Joseph for, um, you know, doing that. We really appreciate it. You know, that saddle package is uh, a really awesome package. I mean, a super high-end package. And, I mean, those tethered one sticks, you can't even find them right now. They may not be available again um, before the season starts. So, you know, it may be your opportunity to, to get in on that. So, but if not, it doesn't matter. We really appreciate you just listening um, and, and listening to us ramble and me talk and try and sell you on this Patreon thing. Um, but really for us, it's just building a community. And uh, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, please leave us a review if you get a chance. Um, those really help. And uh, we got a ton of you guys that support the show that listen all the time. Uh, if you like what we're doing, go ahead and leave us a review. Tell a friend. Have them tell their friends. And thank you for listening. Enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. Special guest John Borsma tonight, folks. Hey, I'm uh, back. He's uh, he's uh, covered in drywall dust, full of angst, uh, a honeydew list, work projects, all the things. And he's like, "What is this podcast about? Like, talking about our stuff now, John? How do you feel about like? Do you see yourself?" As, uh, like a hunting personality or, uh, absolutely not. So like, you know, John is not very much in, in our Marco Polo group, but you know, when I'm always like farming for ideas, I'm saying, you know, what, do you, what about this? What about that? And, uh, you know, overwhelmingly, a lot of guys just want to be like a fly on the wall on the like bullshit type podcast. And so to me, that means that they want to hear, you know, from the personality that's John Borsma and <laughs> and myself, which which is just the, the oddest of, of things because, you know, take yeah. the headphones off and we're having the same conversation. That's the way that the whole thing started. So, right. it's just interesting. But anyway, so, so what have you been up to? I mean, geez. I'm just trying to get shit done, but <laughs> I don't know, working on shit, doing side jobs. We bought a camper, came home for lunch today to, uh, well, came home to get some lunch. My wife was there, and she had locked the keys in the camper, so ended up you know, doing a bunch of bullshit. You know, had to drill out a lock, crawl through a little cubby hole that... And how big are you, John, like, uh, for people that aren't familiar? 6'3", 238 <laughs> right now, and yeah... I, I got and the little cubby hole comes out underneath the couch and, and luckily it's like a folding couch and I've tried to get up behind it first. Nope. And I was like, <laughs> kind of getting like claustrophobic because I was like, my chest is like getting stuck. I'm like, okay, take a deep breath. And I ended up pushing up the other side and then I weaseled out of that, but and got it unlocked. It's like a John in the box. Yeah. It was <laughs> not fun. You know, we have two doors, four keys, and they're all inside the camper. So, so what are you working on as far as bow wise in the in the shop? Well, that's a, that's another deal. We've been 
on vacation too. So we were gone all last week, got back, trying to finish this house for my buddy. I got three bows sitting on the rack ready to go. I've been working on my buddy Tracy Tracy's bow, which was the Mako, the Expedition Mako, which I still can't figure that thing out. The cam leans so far over that it's actually cutting the cable. The cam's got a sharp burr on the on the one side. Anyway, I got to take it apart. I'm going to swap limbs. I've called Expedition. The lady's really nice, but they're really no help. Um, but so that bow is still sitting there. I got our buddy Alex's bow um, from Latitude Outdoors. I got to get a build a set of strings for that and get that going. Build him a set of arrows. I know he talked to Kyle, or he was going to get a hold of Kyle about having some um, custom wraps made. And maybe Kyle talked him in and just have him build a whole set of arrows for him. But I know he wanted me to build them similar to mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have to get the the Patreon the bow Patreon bow. bow that's been sitting at your house. <laughs> yeah. Well, John's been, it's like as soon as we give it away, John's like, I'm out of here. Yeah. And then I got a hold of Kevin and he's like, he's the same size as John. So he's like, well, I actually shoot, you know, a shorter bow a little bit better than a long bow. And he's like, well, just set it up like John would set it up, like best John could do. So, yeah. So that bow goes to 30 and a half. And technically, I could shoot that. Like, that's about what I'd shoot for, like, cold weather. Mm -hmm. So that'll be pretty much, I can get it perfect for him. We'll just get the rest mounted and, and, uh, I'll set it for arrows that are similar to mine. I'm not sure which arrows he's shooting. So, but that's on the agenda. Maybe, I don't know. By the time maybe we get out of here early enough, <laughs> I can go work on one tonight. But because I got to be up super early in the morning, get a coat of mud on one job, then go to another job and start trimming. So, right. So yeah, we had some uh, Patreon questions, um, but uh, let's kind of like so. Basically, we've both switched up like damn near everything um, for this year. Uh, going into hunting, I guess the packs would be the same. I think your platforms would be the same, but other than that, everything's kind of different. So we'll go through that. Um, but what's on your agenda for for hunting, and like, what's your your thoughts like going into the season? I mean, as busy as you've been, you know, are you even thinking about whitetails yet at this point? Or, um, well, I mean, we just like I said, we're we're on vacation up in northern Michigan and. The whole time I'm sitting there, you know, we're on this winery. I'm sitting there looking at, like, my base map and, like, man, there's some good deer around here. But So it's been getting the, like, getting me amped up, but I haven't done anything. Uh, my biggest thing is I'm going to be heading out west about September 10th for two weeks. So And I got my antelope tag, and that came in the mail the other day. So definitely got that. It was kind of... I thought it was a uh, for sure thing and then talked to our other buddy, John, and he put in for the same same tag and he didn't get it. So so are you, you're not messing with deer out there at all? No, I can't. I okay. didn't. I'm on the alternate list for the elk. And so last year for just the elk, I didn't put in for the big game combo. I put in just for the elk. And... Last year, it got to 500 and something on the list. 
So I'm 337 out of 1500. So I have a probably a decent opportunity of getting my elk tag, but it's probably not going to be, I'm probably not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to get it while I'm out there because they start, people start turning back in, like even at the beginning of the season. And so it goes all the way into like November. So they might call me in November, like, Hey, there's a tag available. You know, yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> go out and shoot one with a gun. And it's like, uh, no. So, but it doesn't count against you. So. Okay. Yeah. And I can imagine like, yeah, you want to do it and everything, but I mean, even if, okay. So let's say that they call you like when you're driving out there. I'll be ready. Cause I'm bringing my everything for, I mean, I'm going out there to elk hunt. I'm just not going to carry my bow and I will have my bow with for antelope. So. Okay. I'm just going to go and Cause I'm just thinking of like the, I mean, cause with your big, you were telling me like what it costs for like the big game combo and like, it's like having money set aside for that. And then it's like, okay, now I'm not going to do it. Now I'm planning all this other stuff. And then they're like, right. you're like, oh yeah, yeah you, <laughs> you hit Nebraska and they're thousand like, bucks. <laughs> like, like, oh shit, honey, uh, <laughs> <laughs> cha-ching credit card. <laughs> but yeah. So like for me is completely different because I'm not going elk hunting until the middle of October. And so like, I'm, I'm thinking of like, man, I really like to go to Ohio, like for the opener, September 15th. Like I'm like, I'm like back and forth on that because. Yeah. So I didn't know that the, the Ohio opener was September 15th. Cause I was thinking about that too. I was like, well, that would be fun. I was thinking for some reason, like October, but my wife would really kick me in the balls if I would got home from two weeks from Montana and then turn it on with the yeah. Ohio for a week or two. Yeah. Well, you know, you got that camper now. <laughs> <laughs> Might be living in it. But yeah, so I, I'm thinking of like, okay, so those first two weeks, you know, I said it last year and I mean, yeah, I did kill one early, but it wasn't, wasn't like my, what I pictured in my head um, just because I don't know. I, I wanted to like have a plan, not just be hunting and kill something. I, I don't know. It just seems so weird that, to even say that because, you know, I wanted to kill something the first week I did, but I didn't kill it like on my terms, I guess. Um, but this year, like, so I, I said it on the last podcast. I know you listen to all of them back, John. So you're probably already heard this, but you know, I've one of the spots that I've scouted year for the past couple of years, there's these buck beds. I know that they're there. Um, and I drove around glass and, and I was looking at a couple other deer and like right from those beds, these two freaking giants stepped out and it's like, it's like, okay. And it's like an impenetrable, like impossible spot. So I was talking with uh, Greg Litzinger about like, I mean, I guess I just have to go in there and try. And if I screw it up, then, you know, whatever it was going to happen. But so that's like, I'm like, okay, I got to get back out there and look again. I got to make sure they're still around. I got to, I got to do that. And then that camera that we set. So I went and put one on that that scrape where I had it last year. And that's another problem that I have, but the camera that we set has now just, I've got multiple bucks on it. Um, nothing 
huge one one decent one um but on that <laughs> where that scrape is where i had all the bucks last year like during daylight you know in october is like right exactly when i come back from colorado so it's the same thing you're talking about like it's gonna be like i come home on thursday or friday and then i have to work on saturday and it's like all right honey sunday i'm gonna go, go i'm gonna go <laughs> I gotta my go, honey hole i gotta go hunt because that's when the deer are gonna be there um <laughs> so it's like i don't know but it, and i i don't know what i've got going on for work but the, it's per it's pretty like lenient around like the rut just because it's always been a thing where I have a week off in November. So if they say, what week are you taking off in November? Like they did last year, I'm just going to say, oh yeah, I'm going <laughs> this week. Um, and that's happened before, but and my dad's going to listen to this and he's be like, you son of a bitch. Like you're not getting it off. <laughs> but, um, but I am going up to the UP after, after Thanksgiving. So, so I will, that's the other thing too, is I, plan on going up to my buddy Larry's again and I'm actually we're heading to the UP next Friday so we're going to be up there for a week and we are stopping through so are you going to pull your camera that you have on your property and put it up there yes my so we're going to my property this weekend and that camera actually died I looked at my last update and it was like at one percent on July 9th I was wondering why I wasn't getting any pictures but so I got a well, and on John's property, there's deer there, but it's not a hunting property by any no. stretch of the imagination. I don't know if you have it up there more as a security camera or just because yeah, yeah, there's deer there. Yeah. Well, both. I mean, there, there's a ton of deer there. I've never seen a buck. It's just like 15, 20 does that just come milling through there. But, you know, then the neighbors are driving there side by side and shit. And so when we put our camper up there, definitely going to have to get a couple more cameras because I want to be able to keep an eye on that. <clears throat> but but I am going to move that camera to the UP. The only thing bad about that is there's no service. Like where this camera's going, it has no cell service at all. I don't know. I think you would be – I'll be curious because um, one of our other Patreons, Jerry, he's up in the UP by our place, and he's got the Tacticam reveals on the, or on the Verizon network, and they're just – I mean, coming through. So I had it up there last year with me. Oh, and you got nothing. I didn't had nothing. Hmm. So, and but that is a AT and T one. I don't know. My phone definitely doesn't come in. Like, there's a. So I'm on the Garden Peninsula, and I'm hunting private property. So it doesn't matter. People aren't going to come. Um, but it would be nice to be like, okay, well, you have a weekend where you know you can run up there, and, and right. you got daylight activity. Right, and that's the thing too, though. I mean, because I can have my buddy Larry or someone else go check it for me, and he can give me a heads up. I know there's good bucks in that area. Oh, I I know I said it like last year, or maybe on the other podcast, but you know, I'm editing these videos. I'm going through like deleting just like us in the dark, like looking at the camera, like is this thing on, like type stuff, and then it's like John's uh, UB hunt, and it's like there's like a really nice buck that walks by and John's like, Oh, that was a smaller of the two. Like, I mean, it, there was, <laughs> yeah, there was two nice bucks. Um, but it was weird. Cause the one, and the one has no brow tines. 
And it's like, that's a gene in that area. Well, and that's what I said. And then that's what uh, Dieter had said that that buck that he killed last year. Like, yeah. it's just it's just strange. Yeah. So, Larry's killed several. I mean, he's got a wall full of them. And probably 75% of them don't have protines <laughs> that he's killed. And, you know, like I said, he's got, oh, it's close to 300 acres now. Or maybe it's more than that. But... Yeah, so Eric was asking me, and I, I'm, I don't know, man. I'm just really like, um, I'm just kind of like struggling. But he was asking me, you know, so when I'm out there elk hunting, like, when do I put down the bow and pick up the gun? <laughs> and it's like, you know, I don't know. It's, I think it would all just depend. But there, you know, there's there's things that I haven't like that I hadn't like really taken into consideration. Um, just from like, a, I, I, cause I don't, I don't know how elk are affected by like coloration or whatever, but there's a few things. So you have to wear like a, orange. a full panel orange. Like you can't even have like it broken up as a, like with a camo orange it has to be like solid. Solid. Orange. Um, but that is kind of like an ancillary, like just a side. Yeah, um, well, because here's the thing: how many how many elk hunters do you see that are wearing like solid pants and all oh, that? Oh, shit? oh, I oh, oh. That, that's that's not like I said. That's not the the thing. But what <laughs> my my thinking is is because like I was going through in my head, like my dad, right? Who's you know. The elk that he's killed, they're both like, you know, two, three, four hundred yards away, whatever they were. Mm. You know, and he's just watching the elk run around. Like, I don't know if he was really looking at, like, the little orange thing bopping around over here. <laughs> like, going, meow, meow. Right. <laughs> like, that's, you know, because, I mean, that's like a real, oh, yeah. I, I mean, granted, like, we sh- you would think that we, there wouldn't be a whole lot of people in the same area, like, where these guys are. But, I mean, it's we're going to be on public land. So it's certainly possible. Someone else could come off some private, like up, up above us. So that's what I was thinking about too. Like I'm going to be out there and be like, <laughs> like, like shit, man. But it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm really excited just for like the experience of like going out there and somebody's going to kill some. I have no doubt about that. And going to be able to see elk. I'd imagine from a ways off. And then, uh, Hopefully, in a perfect world, we'll get out there. Everybody will kill something right off the bat, and then I'll be the one running around like a freaking Indian, like you know, <laughs> like a like a what Native no. American, like yes, you're Native. telling me to be politically yeah, correct. politically correct here. <laughs> God, yeah, sorry, don't. yeah, fuck. No, you know, like now the Cleveland Indians are the Cleveland Guardians. So. Yeah, but so that my wife did say she's like because I told her I was. You know, I'm on the alternate list. I'm like, but I might not get it until like November or something. She's like, well, if you get it, why wouldn't you just go back out there? I'm like, because it'd be with a gun. Well, why wouldn't, if you got it, why wouldn't you just go shoot it with a gun? I'm like, because I don't want to kill my first elk with a gun. I know. And <laughs> and that's, you know, uh, so I have all these like thoughts like swimming in my head, right? Like, like okay, so it costs X amount money to drive out there cost x amount of money i forget there was somebody i think it was um 
Bob Polonic. Uh, he does a podcast with uh, Dan Johnson about gear and stuff, but we met him up at the Total Archery Challenge. And he was talking about, like, he goes out every time thinking that he's going to kill something. If he doesn't come home with something, like, it's, like, oh, not a successful hunt. And that's just, like, the way that he views everything. But it's, like, you spent this amount of money to go out there, this amount of money on that, this amount of money on the tag. And then it's, like, you're just going to be, like, so prideful. You're going to be, like, I will never, <laughs> you know. Like, I, I don't know. Me. Well, so that's like, even if I wouldn't have got my my antelope tag, I was going out anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to go out just like a, I mean, so you're with no chance of shooting it out. Yeah, you know, to me, it's the experience. You know, that's what we could have. We, you know, Eddie's got more hunting spots in Colorado than he does in Montana. Yeah. And he's like, well, we can just go hunt Colorado. And I was like, well, then. You have to, he would have to drive 12 hours. We would have to drive and then meet. And it was like, you know, and then we're going to deal with a bunch of other hunters. I mean, for sure. I mean, you know, Frank, those guys ran into that last year. I'm not sure what, I mean, if you, did you run into many other hunters or? or uh, we ran into but one guy. But you guys were dealing with smoke and foul weather. and Yeah. Well, there's so where where our hunt is going to be, like where our camp is, like to the direct west, to the northeast and the southeast, like legitimately forty miles in all those directions is an active fire. <laughs> so I mean that could be good because it would be pushing all the animals like in <laughs> and the hunters. Well, yeah, I. I I suppose. Is that public land? It is public land, but it's like, it's like over here, there's a bunch of, uh, uh, for those of you at home. uh, He's showing like west, (laughs) southwest. To the northwest (laughs) is is a bunch of private. And then there's like the outfitter's ranch is like directly to the north. And so it's kind of like this landlocked Mm. like basin. But, you know. It doesn't mean that people can't figure out how to get in there, um, but especially now with basement hyponics and all the right. Mark Levesay saying, "This is what you need to do: go right. here, go here, go here." Yeah, um, but regardless, like I'm just like looking at like man, it's going to be like you know a couple grand by the time you're done. There's an elk standing over there at 150 yards. You know, can't get them to come any closer. Give me the fucking gun. None of these guys know how to call. <laughs> they don't do that. You know, you should bring Stella with you. Yeah, <laughs> put her in my pack. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So I mean, so that's kind of like what what the story <laughs> what the story is there. I, I don't know. I, I guess the circumstances are going to be like what they may because that's another thing is like. It's going to be kind of like, I guess, like when you struck out on your own, like if I end up having to be, you know. Solo. Yeah. And and, and that's the thing is like, okay, well, I can just go like try to find a wallow or try and find some water, you know, be in a spot where, okay, they killed elk over there. There's elk here. We can hear them here. Like, where do I think they're going to go with my scouting and then try and. So have you been doing any e-scouting on that area? I've been doing a little bit. So. 
Matt, who's going out there with us, he was showing me like a little. So I printed off like so. You know how we got the maps when we went to Idaho. I got like the freaking big one because I figured like you know my dad isn't going to be able to look at the scale of. So this map is, I don't know, five by six or something like that. It's huge. Um, but like it turns out, like when you look on base map, you can zoom in and you can see like where there's another spike camp. So there's like three spike camps in this area. Cause I was like looking at it and I'm like, I'm like, okay. So I think I have like, maybe the map covers like 10 miles. Cause I just zoomed into like as big of a map as I could get in the smallest area that I thought, you know, you'd want to cover from. Right. there and he's like well there's actually a spike camp right there and right there so the area is actually i mean i guess you could hunt like whatever i imagine that the outfitters gonna say hey don't go over there there's guys with guns you know mm-hmm. but just looking at it there so i've got a pretty good idea of the lay of the land um but i was like prepared to like hey we can run this ridge freaking four miles that way on top, and there's a basin here, basin here, basin here, um, but doesn't really look like that's the case. So it's going to be a matter of just. I, I, I'm thinking, like, like I said, like it just being familiar with like what it's going to kind of look like, and kind of within that area have a plan A through D or whatever, and then the outfitter is going to say, well, here's where they normally come down and whatever. Then figure out, okay, well, where am I going to not get shot at, not mess anybody else up, you know, and right. try to go. And So, I mean, so this obviously is outfitter. Is this the same outfitter your dad's used before? Yeah. yeah. And they're running, they're running hunts, like. Not there, yeah. But this is the first, yeah, yeah, so they are running hunts. And not in that area, though? So this is first rifle. So th- this, from what they've told me, is like an extremely high success rate right. for for this right. area. But there will have been archery hunters in there previously, right. and everything. But like I said, my dad has been in there two hunts, two for two. That's on their actual guided deal, not on the spike. Like set you down and let you figure it out yourself. So do they have any like? rules like it you know like where um my brother hunted my brother my the place my brother hunted the first year they had a rule like no bugling at all like they but that was this was on private property oh i don't and they couldn't they had to go to a stand or a spot and they they brought you to it sit there that was it you could cow call but you couldn't bugle couldn't do anything you know, to upset the. Yeah, I'm not aware of any of that, but that, I mean, that certainly could be the case. But maybe they frown on, like, you show up with the fucking Phelps bugle tube and they're like, hey, put that back in the truck. I ain't going with you. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I've got a Terminator in my fanny pack. <laughs> <laughs> like, but, but no, I mean, I, I really don't know. Um, like I said, it, but uh, honestly, I don't know a damn thing about rifle hunting elk. Like, do they even try and call them like that? Like, I think I would imagine that you just need to see one. I mean, that's what it isn't any fun to me. Like, right. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that's not like it's going to be mid October. They're not going to be 
you know, hot and heavy rutting, but nah. they still might be, you know, vocal. I know, like, born and raised, those guys are still calling and doing shit. Hear that, or they get in the snow and they start tracking them down. Yeah, but but I mean, that's like what I said, like, uh, just just trying to not mess anybody up, you know, like, uh, I'm... Or get shot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, but it's like I, I'm not really going out there like with the understanding, uh, like being like, this is how we're gonna do it. Um, so what's the elevation? I mean, is it gonna be snow? I can at look, that point. It's certainly possible. I mean, because I mean, we had snow. I mean, they had you guys had snow last year, and it was the opener. It's funny. I was just texting with Dane from uh, Dryad there last night, and he was like really close to where Frank was at just after the snow. Um, it was, it was pretty interesting. Um, but, but yeah, so, I mean, I guess that's kind of like what we've got going on for this, this coming up year. Um, let's see. I guess we should probably get back to the whitetail thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, off on a- uh, 8,000 feet camp is just above 8,000 feet. Oh, that's not, no, it's not crazy. I haven't gone like so far as to um, look at the month by month on, you know, any of that stuff. Um, but yeah, so Eric was asking um, one of our Patreons, he was saying, what what do you run for a backup bow? Like, does it have, is it identical? Um, you know, in the past, mine have been very nearly identical, just the, different. Um, this year is going to be a whole nother thing. It's going to be more like a John type setup, but, uh, what's that supposed to be? Well, that, when I say a John type setup is like, well, at this point, my brother-in-law has taken over my backup bow, um, because his bow was an antique, um, (laughs) of sorts. And at the total archery challenge in the years past, he couldn't reach out to any of the distances. So it just became like, kind of like a fun shoot. Like, Oh, let's throw this arrow up there. Yeah, and see. He couldn't even get past 80. Yeah. So rather than have him do that again, I had this bow sitting there. We set it up for him and he's shooting it. Now he Did does he get some new arrows. Cause he shot all of them. He lost <laughs> all of the arrows. Uh, I think he had some other arrows. Maybe he didn't have them with them or he was mm-hmm. getting down. Um, no, it was because he didn't know where those arrows were shooting. And then the arrows that he found actually shot really well. <laughs> so he was shooting those. Um, but he doesn't hunt a ton. So uh, I don't necessarily think in the middle of the season, it would be like, oh, how, what are you, you getting up this weekend, Chris? Like, whatever. Like, like, and we, and we didn't, we literally took zero things off of his old bow so he could pick that up and shoot if he, if he wanted to go hunting and I didn't have a bow. Okay. Um, but I've got so I, I was thinking of this, and this is why I was saying it's a it's completely a John setup. Is that I have a site in there that's set up with a tape for arrows that I have for that bow, so I could just take that site, put it back on the bow, flip flop, grab a couple arrows, and we'd be we'd be gold. We'd we, go it, back, but it would be going back and forth, right? You know, and but that's I- that's kind of like what you've done in the past, even though you have a myriad of bows. Yeah, so like. I don't have an identical bow, but my fallback is my my Hoyt, my old Arx one. It's like, man, I should just go hunt with that thing from the beginning. So if that's the case, 
if your fallback is your RX-1 and your new bow is the Reckoning, right? No, I have a Revolt. Revolt. So where does the knock-on, where does the PSE fit in there? That's for sale. Anyone want it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I might I might build that for Jet. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, he hasn't been shooting much, but unless we can get, you know, I, I put it on for sale on Facebook and their rules are so stupid. It's like you, you post it and then take it down. It's a weapon, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then it's like, I don't, I want to give it another try. But the revolt does shoot so good, you know. So, but it's I, I'm not going to get rid of my. I'll never get rid of my RX one. I mean, it's it shoots too good to just get rid of it because it's not worth selling. I mean, it's worth more to, for me to keep than to try to sell. If I got three hundred bucks out of it, it'd just be a loss to me. I mean, I still have my double XL too. I mean, uh. But, and a Q2XL or something. Oh, yeah, the old Matthews Q2XL. That's that's a relic. I mean, that's more like if you wanted to go out and have like a 20-year-old bow shoot off. But <laughs> I don't think it's that quite that old. But but so I will, I'm going to go out west with my – I'll have my RX-1 completely set up, ready to go with multi-pin everything. I won't have to do it. It'll have its own set of arrows and then I'll have my Revolt X all set up and ready to go. I am going to, I'm going to switch up my arrows back to the, the full size, uh, max stealth for Fletch. I'm going to get rid of the little 23s or whatever they are. I think, I think that might've been part of my issue last year too, with trying to shoot a fixed blade with those small, them small feather, small veins. So I'm going to, I got to get, get to that too. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, on my elk hunt, like my backup bow is a 300 Weatherby. Yeah. So yeah, well. <laughs> like, Oh, John, a cup of string. <laughs> right. I had to do something. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going I'm to have video of Adam. Like he's going to be looking around, pull his bow out and just cut a string. Like, Oh shit. My bow is broke. I had to shoot it with a gun. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, you know, shit happens, right? <laughs> right. But yeah, I mean, so, like for me, it's just, I think, like as far as like being, and this is going to go into like Dennis's question about the, the saddles and saddle setup, is like just being proficient. So, like, you know, you can pick up your RX-1 and shoot it. Like, you, you have the utmost confidence in it. Yep. Like, that bow that Chris is shooting, like, I've killed more deer with that than I've killed with, I think, any other bow that I've ever had. Um, and I shoot that bow just fine. Um, but I just I just like this new one. I wanted something different. Well, you shoot the new one, I mean. Real, better. I shoot yeah. the new one better. Yeah, it but, shoots real well. Um, but. But yeah, so so I think it's just like having confidence in it and and being comfortable shooting, you know, and, and knowing the limitations of it too. That I mean, basically, it's the same platform. Mm-hmm. You're not switching up like I've switched completely from you know manufacturer to manufacturer size, you know, all that. And, you know, I 
drank the Kool-Aid and followed Dudley to PSE and, you know, and then I come to realization like, well, it just doesn't shoot well for me. I just don't. And I did all the stuff that. Even that he told you to do like in person. Yeah. He's like, well, you got, you're getting a right tear. And I told him like, I'm getting a right tear. He's like, so do I, you got to move these shims to the side. I'm like, I did that. He's like, well, they're not, they're not like that right now. And it's like, well, cause I rebuilt the bow and I put it back to factory specs cause I had put it up for sale. So I didn't want it, you know, going out shooting for me. So, but I had done all that and then I built a new string for it and everything. Well, I think, so I think that that, I think to answer Eric's question is like, I would say if you had a, like a, I feel like everybody has one. Like, so Tim Clark has got his, Matthew's Helium, right? Like yep. Frank, like Ernie, they're like great bows, you know, shot them real well. They, neither one of them got rid of them for that same very reason. And that's you know? like so, my Eric's one. Yep. So you, you've got this, and, and that's kind of like where you, you fall back. And like, whether that's, you get like, you know, you you drink the Kool-Aid and you're like, all right, I want a new six, five Creed more, you know, cause it's the coolest thing ever. But you know, Grandpa's old thirty thirty or that aught six is right. You know, it, it's it? there. You know that that's the that's the deal. I know that that goes against like everything, but but that's just the way that it. I mean, well, you that, see a lot. Of, I mean, how many guys? How many of these like the real killers? Freaking Dan Infault. Look, well, at he his just bow. got a new bow. He got a he got a prime, but right. But up until I mean, he would be out there with some of the craziest old shit. Like it, it didn't matter as long as he was you know. Mm-hmm. As long as it had a string and it was in good shooting, you know, condition. Well, that's like you, you talked about like the winter bow, right? So like Greg Litzinger, he had his bow that he called the, it was a new breed and he called it his boat paddle. And he said, if he was going down in the marsh or he was going somewhere where it was going to be tight, he's like, this bow is indestructible, right. you know? And, and that's kind of like what we've adopted as like the quote unquote backup bow. It's not like. Man, we have to have like okay, all I, this I gotta hot have shit. Exact, like, exactly you, the same. And this, this is probably not. I don't think John would ever do this. Um, but I don't think that it would be like out of the question to have like whatever bow set up with like a a whisker biscuit and a you know j- just that you could just shoot. Like it was just a just a killing machine. No, understanding that you're not going to be taking it out west and shooting at antelope at 60 yards you're going to be shooting 15 20 yards right you know just something that's <laughs> it's funny because i i actually i think i still have my matthews feather max and it was set up just like that mm-hmm. it had a whisker biscuit and it was my bowl for you for like doing corn stalking because you're in the wind it doesn't matter and you're only shooting short distance and you want something that as you're walking through it's not the arrow can't fall out. So I had a whisker biscuit and it was just the, you know, standard old three pin. And, I mean, talk about old bow, but, but I think it's still set up like that. <laughs> that one's not in my garage. It's in someone else's garage, but it's still my bow. <laughs> um, and then, so, so Dennis was asking about saddles and like, and it's going to be his first year saddle hunting in, Dennis is not like uh he doesn't look like Tim Clark, right? So he's not this 
little tiny tree climbing electrician guy. guy. No. And so he's saying like, what do you need for, for saddle hunting? You know, sticks, platform, lineman, tether. Um, And then wanted to know like about safely you getting up and down the tree and then like what happens when like what kind of bad situations have you found yourself in and how have you um like rectified them so let's just start at like for you like what you're using and how you're going up and down the tree so this year i switched over last year and years prior i used the wild edge steps and then i had the predator platform which i still love both and i'm still going to continue to use the predator platform and i will have my wild edge steps in my kit at all times anyway but i did get the timber ninja the aluminum sticks and i absolutely love those they go on the tree i mean and they're solid as a rock they have i love them um i switched over to the two panel latitude outdoors uh the method um, that saddle is super comfortable. I've only, you know, it's the method two method, the, the method the magnets. Two. Yes. Method two. Um, I'm not sure. I think I'm still, I'm using those Oplux, ro- Oplux ropes that yeah, those are we from made. Silent approach, silent approach. We didn't make them. They came from silent approach. Okay. And, uh, but they're the not same. the sewn ones. They're just the, they're, yep. And those are the ones that Dennis has as well. Okay. I think they're the best value in, ropes for the for for anybody an eight millimeter rope right and so that's the one thing though with the eight millimeter rope and i think we've talked about this before i use a rope man too and that's and ropeman one ropeman one sorry ropeman one getting my method to all that uh i use the ropeman one and it's right on the edge of like when i used it as my tether it it would want it would like locked up in it. It was getting to the point where it was wanting to pull the gear through because it doesn't have enough meat in the rope to like keep it from wanting to pull it all through. Uh, so I think that's why they use the Kong, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I've got one of those and I'll get into that. But but so for the lineman, I've never had a problem with it. I use it on my lineman and that's where I like to use the, the you know, that kind of mechanical ascender because I, I want to be able to, adjust my lineman with one hand when you have your you know your pressic knot uh even with the tender you're still got you might have to reach over and grab it with two hands Hmm. it's super nice to be able to you know be able to adjust it either tighten it or loosen it with just that one hand get up around knots or whatever um but beside that so yeah i'm gonna timber ninja sticks predator platform the pack, I'm still got my my, you know, XLP or my we're gonna we're XL gonna, Mountain Gear pack. We're gonna get you a pack, John. I've got a pack in mind. I want to buy two because I want to have you do a review and I want to give one away. Um, I'm about ready to just go buy a sewing machine and build my own pack. Well, that's like Sean what, from Trophy Line. He's that's what he said. He said he's had so many custom one-off packs made just for him, simply for that reason. Yeah. So that's it's like. Yeah, like trophy line, like talking to him, like he had some really good ideas, but it's like, okay, now I'm like, I want to do this and then 
don't want to do that. And maybe someone will all of a sudden just come out with, read my mind and come out with what I want. But So have you been in a situation like, so as far as the safety thing going up, my processes with my sticks, and, and this is, I think, going to change this year a little bit, but I would normally set both of my, two, I use four sticks. So my first two I'll set from the ground. So I'll set the one on the ground. Then I'll get up on my stick, set the second one, and then I'll come down. And that's when I get all my gear situated. So I run two uh, paracord loops on my uh, on my saddle. And I hook my sticks in there, and then I got my pack on with all my stuff. And my I'm running a Doyle's gear hoist, which has all but eliminated all of my um, shit tangles. Yeah, <laughs> it's because I'm dumb and I hate ropes and I don't like knots and all that. But so then I go up. I'll set my next two sticks. You know, using the lineman, I use a Kong duck. You know, people talk about, like, it rattling. So, I still strip the whole thing, uh, my whole carabiner. I'm using the Kong, like, oval carabiner. I don't really care for it, but it's just the one that you're supposed to use with that. But there still is, like, a little bit of clicking. Now, maybe on, like, a dead calm day, like, that's going to be a problem. But, I mean, again, if you listen, you know, you're going to hunt the days that you're going to hunt, but. I mean, if you listen to the guys like that kill big deer, or that hunt big deer, like they don't want to be hunting on a dead calm day. They want, they actually want a pretty stiff wind, right. you know, um, you know, so that it, it allows them, it allows the deer to think they have the advantage and it gives you predictable wind. So, you know, I don't know that you're going to notice that little clicking like in the, in the moment, you know, you're probably making enough noise doing just going up and down the tree, um, you know, a little bit, but that's the only thing I've noticed with that, that Kong duck. Um, but then I'll set my other two sticks, go up and then I don't set a platform. So, I mean, I have, and I don't like doing that because I, I just haven't had enough practice, like where it's second nature, like that is and now I've switched up sticks this year. So I I got some of the trophy line minis, put two of the, so we got four of the Timber Ninja Aiders. John's like, well, I need two of them. So um, I used those on the, the trophy lines. So I measured it today because I want to talk about it for this podcast. Um, I did the four sticks with those two, you know, they're just the wire aiders, cable, cable aiders, and um, to the top of my fourth stick, I didn't really stretch it out too much. Um, normally, what I'll do is I will set it so that I can lift up and I wear knee pads. So I'll climb up with my knee so I don't have to get my foot all the way up there. Now, granted, I was in, you know, my lighter boots. And I was in a light pair of pants. Um, so maybe it would change a little bit. With those four sticks, and they're 17-inch sticks, to the top of that um, 
top step was like 15 feet, 10 inches or so. So it was right about 16 feet, which is fine for me. I mean, getting up that high, like and actually measuring it, I'm like, most of the time, I think I'm hunting probably 12 or 14 feet. Um, But I'm always looking at like where I need to be versus like just get higher. Um, And one of the things I would like to mention is I was listening to a podcast with uh, Byron Horton and uh, he was talking about hunting low, um, you know, kind of like, I don't know if it was like public land myths or, or what it was, one of his more recent episodes. Um, but he was talking about maximizing that first stick. So like if you were going to use a three-step aider or something like that, and especially if you're using like, that's the one thing about those 17-inch sticks, you know, for for Frank, he was saying like, on the 24 inch B sticks, like he can't make that step. It's too much. The 17 inch steps seem like nothing. Um, but well, just like the tethered one sticks. Right. And I think you were like 12, almost 13 feet with just three sticks there. Mm-hmm. But Byron talks about like maximizing that first stick. So if you were going to use like a three step eight or something on your first stick, you know, if I were to do something like that and it may be something that I consider carrying with me, I mean, I could have been up, you know, another three feet or so with that first stick. And then it allows you to maybe carry one less stick if you want to and just carry that aider. Or, or get your elevation that you're looking right. for. With it, the just, it just gives you an option. Um, but so in that sense, when I get up to the top, um, I tighten my lineman like all the way up where I'm like just basically like strapped to the tree essentially and then i set up my bow hanger hang my backpack then i pull my bow up and get everything set up and well hook on my tether and then so the most important step there i feel like is you know when you get your your tether set and you you get it clipped into your bridge then i tighten that up until i'm like taut. Like, so I, I can lean back and I know that I'm no longer in my lineman's loop, even when I'm tight, tight to the tree. And then I'll start to, with that Kong or when I was using the line, uh, Ropeman is I'll just let, start to let that out a little bit and make sure that everything's hooked in and I'm, I am where I'm supposed to be. Um, and then I'll undo my lineman and, you know, start to get, uh, you know, comfortable, I guess, get all, get all my stuff situated. But I, it, I think the most important part, like we were talking about with, uh, um, with the bows and stuff like that is like, this was different because these, these steps have a different distance. So there's like a different gate going up, but, with the B sticks, like I could do it in my sleep. Like I could do, you know, without even thinking about it, just, you know, I knew exactly where to put it. And so like with the B sticks, they're 24 inches. When I was standing on, um, that, I think I would stand on the bottom step and I'd put the Versa button right at my nose, hook it around. And then I knew that that was like my normal spacing going up. Um, but then as far as like hairy type situations, 
So I've been in situations where, um, you know, going up the tree, everything looks really good. And then you run into, you get higher than you thought, or there was a branch on the backside of the tree that you didn't recognize. So I will always take my tether and I'll girth hitch it around my lineman's loop and use it as a second lineman and go back and forth, back and forth as I'm going up. And then when I'm going down, I've run into it where I've, I've had, because of my bow rope issues, I've pulled out sticks. And that's another thing. So I feel like I've never had an issue using an actual cam buckle because I feel like those are, get tightened down and then they get cinched down when you step on them and they lock in pretty hard and they're it, they almost work against themselves to actually tighten up where everybody wants to go lighter they want to go no metal they want to go um you know faster quieter so when i've used versa straps daisy chains rope mods um those lock in but I feel like they don't like work against themselves as well as the cam buckle do. And this is just my experience. You know, if you're a physicist or you're into engineering or whatever, you're going to say, well, that's not possible because gravity and this and that. But it's been my experience that when I use the other things and the daisy chains, I think have been the worst, but they're the most user friendly. So it's like something I'm willing to give up. Um, but I feel like when I've gotten my bow rope around my stick, Somehow, it didn't take a whole lot to lift it up, kick it out, and kick it out. And I've had it happen to me in Missouri. I've had it happen to me in Michigan. I never hunted in Ohio with sticks, so. But it isn't just like it wasn't like a one-time occurrence. I mean, it's happened. I can think of like three or four different occasions, and everything's all well and good while you're hunting. But then, like when you're trying to get down in the dark, you're like, there used to be a stick there. Now it's sideways or something like that. Um, you'll get to learn. So what I do, and I was actually reading on a, um, a Facebook post last night about a guy who was an actual arborist, and he was talking about like what, how the arborist community never climbs with sticks or anything like that, and they're always tied into the tree. Which I don't. I, I've you know I've got a good friend that's does has done tree work for. 25 years and I don't think when he spikes up the tree that he's actually tied in he's just using a lineman's belt so I think this guy was maybe mistaken but he said that, that they their preferred rope method is climbing up a rope so SRT or DRT and, and you know he, he's an arborist that's what he says but he says that he's always tied in and so even on the way down. So I think about like when I used to climb with a climbing stand, I would always put my safety harness on and I would put it on around the tree and I would climb up with it. I mean, I've had multiple occasions, you know, where I've lost the bottom of my climber. So, I mean, it was nice to have that. <laughs> was that, that wasn't. <laughs> so I didn't start using the safety harness until like the year before I started using them. <laughs> The freaking saddle. So yeah, I never tied in climbing a tree with. But but anyways, but, so uh, you can use that tether on your way down, 
Right. Um, you know, unless you're going around sticks and stuff where you're going to need a second line. But so that's what you end up kind of doing is kind of like one sticking your way down the same way that you went up. So that's what I would, that's what I had run into is that I just hooked down my tether and I just let my, you know, I wrap my legs around the tree and I'd let my prussic down until I could touch that next step down or I could, you know, use my lineman as another tether and, and, and work around it. But that's something like where you get, like the first time that it happened when I was in Missouri, I was like, well, oh, this shit. really sucks, <laughs> you know? And it was like, I spent, it happened as I was pulling my bow up. So then my bow was banging around with the sticks. And so I was bummed about that. And now, you know, I'm thinking the whole time while I'm up there, like I'm missing a stick you know, when it was uh, each time, I think it's been my third stick. So it's like, there's one stick, then there's a space. I'm still high enough that I'm like, I'm going to be hurt. Um, you know, so, so that's, that's something. Um, another thing to think about too, is like on your way, like on your way up the tree, like think about like where you're going to land because a problem that I had was because my platform is literally, uh, 24 inches deep that I could, because it's on the top of my stick. Right. You got it. I have to figure out where it's going to end up. And I've had places where the tree wide or there was weird knots where it just wasn't going to work. So I had to either like, you know, remove a stick and sit down there or just not even use my platform at all and just stand on the top of the stick that was below it because it just wasn't gonna work out um and if you're using a traditional platform maybe john can weigh in on this like where it's gonna land because even if you ended up in a crotch of a tree or where there was a branch that was coming out and another thing like if you're used to hunting from a climber or a lock-on that you are doing a hanging hunt when you're doing those um sits like it isn't as intuitive as you would think, because it seems like probably every third hunt I go up and I'm like, I'm going to go up to the crotch of that tree. And then there's a stick like coming out right in my face or like, like right just over my head, or I need to be just up above that where if I was hanging a stand, I would hang the, I would hang the stand like above it. And maybe that's a problem just that I have because I'm not hanging an additional platform or something. But, um, I've run into a lot of situations and I've, well, the first deer I ever killed out of a saddle was like, there was a, a branch coming right out over my left shoulder where I had to lean out around it. And, you know, but what, I mean, what, I guess, what would you add to that as far as like shitty situations and like how to overcome them? Well, I had the same thing happen to me when I used the wild edge steps. I've had them, my bow come up and hit them and those just you know if you don't have them cammed over just right you just pop up they just pop up and then it's i mean completely worthless it'll just slide right on down and i had to do the same thing you know tether off go down i've had my bow last year when i was up in the up i was using both i had my old xop piece of shit sticks just because i wanted to have a couple spots and my bow got stuck in the one coming up and i was like 
it was a mess. I had like the the three bow rope, you know, spaghetti noodle mess, and it was pulling my pack, my my heavy ass camera pack up. That was stuck in with the bow, and then they got stuck on the step, and so I'm, I'm like, how the hell? I can't let this down because it's going to either fucking break my arrows or snap my sight off. So I'm just, oh, nightmare. But so just kind of be aware of for those the guys that are, you know, because the other thing too is as you're climbing up, you know, I hang my bow ropes, they're coming off me. And if you got to go round limbs and shit, you know, that's the thing with the old, the old climbers, you're going up a pole tree. You're not, you know, or if you already have your stand, you know, set, you got your ropes up there, whatever, you're climbing up to set this. And I mean, I guess it happens with regular stands too, you know, hanging hunt stands, but you're going around limbs and shit and you got three bow ropes and for camera gear and you got shit twisted up. Just kind of be aware of how you set your things out on the bottom. Don't set your bow over your bag. Mm-hmm. When your bag comes up first, knock your bow off. But So why don't you climb up with your backpack on? Just because it's an XOP and it's, or uh, XO and it's so big? Yeah, it's a monster. Okay. And then I, you know, so what I do is I have, I climb up with the wild edge steps and I have my three ropes. I have my bow rope, I have my platform rope, and then I have my pack rope. And so you got to pull them up in certain, and then. Are you still running a fanny pack too? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, so just outline for the listener who's made it this far, like all the bullshit that you bring, like with you as far as like pieces and parts. Well, so <laughs> yeah, it's not the most efficient. But if I didn't have camera gear, it would be super easy. You know, I mean, because I got especially. Well, it got a little bit better when you gave me that other camera. But when I had the seven or eight pound fucking muddy pro, you know that. I had to have my pack just for that, you know. <laughs> um, but so my fanny pack, that's the thing. If I could just wear that, that would be fine. But with like the wild edge steps and I don't have a predator pack. So if I had like the, so I have the Badlands fanny pack, but it's not the one with the built-in um, suspenders. Have you seen the new... This might be your jam. The new XOP, or I keep saying XOP for everything. Um, the new Trophy Line fanny pack? No. It's like the monster fanny pack from Badlands. So it's got, I think it's got three compartments. And it's got straps on the top for you to put your sticks on going perpendicular to your body. Mm-hmm. It's got it's the suspenders. And then up, like, on your shoulder blades, it has attachment points for any platform to just fit like right between your shoulder blades. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, depending on how much camera gear you got, that that could be right. So that's that's the thing. It's like I don't I don't carry my platform up with me. So if I did, you know, then I would just have I would just leave my pack on, but. I don't want the big XOP, XOP. <laughs> now you got the XO mountain gear, my, my you know, big. 4,500 pack. Yeah. 
I don't want that up the tree with me. So I just use the frame for that and I strap everything to it. And then when I get to my bottom of my tree, I take that stuff off and then climb up. That's when it's like, I need to just streamline. I'm kind of, I'm like in between you and Frank. Frank will have the kitchen sink strapped to his ass going up the tree. But, you know, and then the other thing too is obviously everyone knows that, that listen to this, I'm a sweaty bastard. So I'm walking out. I have to, I normally just carry all my gear on my pack. So I need something to, you know, even in the, when it's like 20 degrees out, I'm pretty much walking out in my, my base layer. Cause by the time I get to the tree, I'm sweating. And that's something that you're working on for this year. Like to try to like, like find a different pack, pare it down. Like, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. It's like, I need to, that's what I was saying. I'm like, I would like, I know what I kind of want in my head. I want to be able to put the sticks on it, be able to pop them off easy enough and then be able to carry them up, you know, cause I do the same thing. Like when I'm using my sticks, I put the first two on and then I have the same loops, you know, the paracord loops and then go up. But then when you're, that's another thing. Like when you got your sticks hanging off you and then you got your bow ropes yeah, you know, all of them, all of them, like wrapping around them. You know, you can just see me up there, just freaking, you know. Then I really start steaming, you know. Yeah, because your temper, like, the, your your fuse is really long. I'm like, why the fuck do I even do this shit? You know, <laughs> fuck these deer. Oh. I'm just gonna go elk hunting. Yeah, just quit. Just quit yeah. hunting deer. Just quit hunting. I'm just gonna start ground hunting like Zach. Fuck the trees. Yeah, it's definitely a, a possibility. So, I mean, I guess like to round it out, like what are your what are your predictions for this year? What what are your goals? Like what? Um, to get out and hunt <laughs> more. No, I'd like to kill a decent buck, but. Yeah, who wouldn't, John? Right. I, I don't want to kill 150, you know? No. You know? I mean, I'm But you know how, like, like you're saying, like, I mean, to me, it's just more about getting out there. I mean, I do need to kill, I need to freaking fill my freezer this year because that kid of mine is eating me out of house and home. Like, now, now I know what my dad was talking about. But I feel like you, uh, and I don't know why you take this the wrong way. But I feel like you've always got a reason, like, not to shoot a deer. <laughs> you know? You're like, oh, I was hoping Jet would shoot that. Like, oh, it wasn't big enough. Oh, it was too high. Oh, I was fucking nine miles back. It was too far. You know? It's like, it's like, are you, uh, and, and I don't, and I, 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 I am not, and I do not um, uh, think this or, like, subscribe to this. However... I also think of like, you know, the, the people that are listening are like, whatever, they've never killed a deer with a bow or never seen a deer with a bow or never shot a buck or any of these things. And, you know, there's something of like saying like, oh, that's Frank and I'm not going to shoot him because he's not, you know, 170 and this deer, 
this year, but like, I feel like for all the deer, like I, I look at your videos, like I see all the deer and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, that one. Like, no, it was, I was looking for some, that's not the one. Like, it's like, I feel like you're like really micro, like pick apart every single deer. So no, I'm not, <laughs> it's not like I got all these fucking, I don't, I, I don't kill a lot of deer, but I think what it is, is like, I know if I kill one. Then your wife's going to say, yeah. you already killed She's the like, deer. You killed your deer, so you don't need to go hunting no more. <laughs> so I just enjoy getting out there and, and hunting, and then it's like, well, yeah. I, I don't know. I guess I'm kind of at the point where, I mean, not that I, I don't have to kill every deer that walks. I'm not like, you know, Frank was like, this guy horn, it's, it's, it's brown as down, basically, you know. Um but and it's not like I'm some trophy hunter. I'm not going after some monster buck or anything. It's just you know, when the when the right opportunity presents itself I'll I'll shoot one. You understand what I'm saying. Yeah, like, I do. I, yeah, <laughs> like, I understand exactly. Like, <laughs> hey, you're awful picky, you know. <laughs> no, it's not that. I just I was gonna say before you even brought up like, well when I shoot one then my wife's going to be like, oh, you got your deer. You don't have to hunt no more. So, it's a way. Yeah, I, like I say, I, the that spot where I saw those two big ones. Yeah, I'd love to kill those big ones. We are looking at a whole bunch of other, a whole slew of other bucks. Um, and it would be cool to kill one there just because, like, I mean, literally, I was telling my buddy, like, like, we're going to come around this corner, and there's right in there, like, big deer live there. I've been there. Like, it's it's bulletproof for them. And we were, like, looking at these shrubberies, like, deer-shaped bushes. I'm like, those are, there's two deer out there. Like, I know those are deer. He's got the glasses. I'm like, nope. Deer-shaped bushes. I'm like, there's a doe right there. He's like, yeah. And so, um, I'm looking at the doe, and he's like, and there's a big buck right there. I'm like, no, it's a doe. He's like, no, I take the, the the binos down, like, right there. It wasn't there. I mean, it came out while we were looking at the bushes. And then he's like, and there's a big one, bigger one, in the woods right there. I mean, coming out right exactly. So, it would be really cool to kill one of those, but that's just like, I mean, that that's like next level. You know, like if you, have you had like how you were going to like lay it out? Like these deer live there. It's freaking their home. Um, like at Andy May. Yeah. <laughs> or like, uh, like Joan Rettmeister even like go in there at two in the morning, get up a tree and then have them bed down right underneath you. You know, like that's the only way that that, that works. Because it's it's bulletproof, but <laughs> for the deer, yeah, not yeah, not for the, the human. It's it's impossible. It's it, it, if there's I'll, a reason I'll, why they're there. I'll, I'll show you on the map. It, there's there's no way. Um, but the other side of that is is like in that spot, like where we set that camera. I've got bucks out there now. There were some really good bucks last year. Um, but if I get consistent deer movement or whatever early in the year, I'm going to go out there and hunt it and look. But 
I might just kill anything out there that's a buck. Not a spike or something, but, you know, just that's okay. That's not a restriction zone, is it? No. No. And, but that's more of, like, I put in all the work out there to, like, you know, and it's such a motherfucker to get out there and back. And it's like. So, then you're going to shoot any buck and then call John. Hey, I need to get this out. (laughs) Yeah, I'm busy. (laughs) What is it? Oh, it's a monster. Okay, I'll. Yeah, yeah, like Frank's story, like, I shot the monster. I shot the monster. We might have to cut it and quarter it. Yeah. But, uh, but you understand what I'm saying? Like, that is, like, something where it would be just, like, for me, like, the the right. validation of, like, going out there and, and doing it. It's not, like, that there's, I'm hunting this monster buck or, like, whatever. But if I if I only have, like, you know. Uh, at that time, a couple bucks on camera, and one of them comes by. It's like, well, you know, maybe that's the only one this year. But there was some really good ones, like later in the year, and they may be transient. I mean, th- like just down the road from where we're at right now, my wife's birthday is November eighth. Like last year, we were at breakfast, and I got a cell cam picture of a freaking tank right in front of my camera, three miles down the road. When it's like, hmm, my daughter was getting, you know, chocolate pancakes with whipped cream, and we were drinking, day drinking Mimosa. breakfast drinks, you know. And, but every year during, we're usually out of state, but I've got pictures of really good bucks from the fifth to the ninth down there, and they're just, the and that's Andy May stuff, like where it's transient, like those couple days, right? Th- those bucks are just searching. So that may be the case up there, where I could shoot one of the mediocre bucks, and you know the big ones will still come by, right? But that would really hurt my case uh, coming back from elk hunting, and then saying, "Well, you already killed a buck, and you were gone for you know nine days, whatever." Exactly. So. I don't know, but that's what I want. So what I want for this year is to video Frank or you shooting a deer and then, you know, whatever else is, is, is going to happen. I mean, I don't think I'm going to be overly selective um, unless I have something crazy you know what i mean yeah like i don't think i'm gonna be overly choosy because i think i've come to like the realization that i have not killed enough deer and that's what's weird is like frank's killed so many freaking deer and he just likes doing it and so he's just like well i'm just gonna kill them all you know but i just i just haven't i just haven't killed enough deer to be all that choosy as like to be like, well, I just want to do this, you know? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I haven't killed enough deer to be like that either. It's just how I am. You're just like, well, my wife won't let me hunt anymore, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's but, part of it. But, you know, that that's just kind of like what I'm, the way that I envision my season um, is like, I, I want to have a good plan and 
I've, I think, I think I kind of know, I think at this point, like I kind of know how it works. Um, just in the sense of like now I'm, we've been at the podcasting long enough and talked to enough, enough guys that killed deer, big deer, you know, on a consistent basis enough to like, I feel like now I'm starting to connect the dots and I'm starting to realize that either a, you have to have a lot of fun doing what you're doing. And, you know, I think that's where more we're at, or you have to have all the fricking homework in the world and be a bazillion percent dedicated. And that's where you see like the super next level success. And I'm like, if the just having fun and shooting everything is a one and all of the work is a, is a 10, like uh, I'm, I'm dancing around to like four to six, you know, <laughs> right right in the middle. Like, and I think you gotta, I think you've got to do that because you, you have to get those few under your belt and you have to, you know, so I feel like last year I put in a lot of work and had a lot of things really figured out. And I'll have to show you as soon as we get done, I, found my Tacticam video from that big buck that I was drawing back on and I didn't have it in 4k. So it's not great. Cause it's like 60 yards away. But when you see it, you'll, you'll say, okay, I see what you're talking about now because I mean that buck right there would have been like uh, a seven or an eight on that that same scale that was you know dan in stage hunting that was figuring out like what the deer were doing like in real time kind of like what brandon egan was saying like how is this happening right here right now Mm -hmm. um and so that i mean that gives me motivation going into this year yeah well like all the out of all the hunters that we've talked to, like the the guys that really kill the big bucks year in and year out consistently, those guys. I mean, that's pretty much all they do. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's the one thing. It's like, yeah, I would love to do that, but I I love. There's so many other things that I love to do too. I mean, I have four kids, you know, and even the guys that do have kids, and but pretty much they're scouting all year long. I mean, you got to put the time. I've said this a million times. You got to put the time in to do that. Anyone can do it. I don't think that's true. Um, well, I'm saying anyone can do it if they can put that kind of time in and dedicate that time and energy to it. And that's the thing. Not everybody can do that. <laughs> I mean, so. But I think like, but I think what's helped me and I hope that we're doing like as a conduit for the listener is like saying what you should be doing with that time. Right. Because I've, I mean, 
I think that that's what's made the difference, like for me personally. Yeah, we're not reinventing the wheel. We're just telling, we're giving people, we're helping people see the roadmap to it and and cut some of that learning curve off. But you still, you can't, you can't substitute time in the field and that knowledge. You can read, this is like reading a book. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I can read a book on how to trim out a house and then go out there and be like, what the fuck? How? Yeah, that book is is like a written knowledge, but hands-on knowledge is completely different. Yeah, but I think that there's there's a there's a a fine line there because like, you know, what, you know, boots and what is hot sign? You know, you could have you could have a podcast called Boots and Hot Sign and like people would listen because they'd want to know like which are the best and which is the most important. Right. But but what I mean is is that you know, you can go into the woods and be enamored by every single scrape and rub. You can go into the woods and, you know, walk past all the tracks. And so that's what I'm saying is like, like, you know, that time in the woods looking at the correct things and then putting everything into, into perspective. Cause all I'm saying is that like, you know, there's plenty of guys that I know that, and and I was I was one of them that you know are like well I'm going to go out and I'm going to go scouting. Well, I didn't know what I was looking for, and but I spent every waking moment that I could going out and just wandering around in the woods. Now maybe I did learn something, but having nothing to apply right. is. And that, I mean that, but that's what I'm saying though. You still have to. So you have to take. You could listen to all of our podcasts, but that's not going to make you a good hunter. You still have to get out there and put the time in. You have to put the boots on the ground. You have to take this information and do something with it. Instead of just going out and wandering around, you, the thing is, if you did that day in and day out, you would eventually become a good hunter. But if you listen to our podcast, listen to the people that have done all that, and you take some of them steps out and you use that information to make educated guests, you know, or, you know, connect the dots. Yeah. You're going to, but it still takes, I mean, I've been here listening to all these. I'm not going out and killing a monster buck this, you know, because I haven't put the time in. I haven't gone out and found that buck. I haven't found the property that holds that buck. Yeah. There's guys in Michigan that go out and, and kill big bucks that normally, I mean, most guys won't even think are in Michigan, you know, Andy May, the, um, uh, Dieter or whatever is, you know, how did I, how, what was this? Cocken. Yeah, but it's Dieter Cocken, right? Yeah. You know, he's in the Upper Peninsula. I mean, and shoot, I've, I mean, yeah, I've seen some bucks. It used to be a freaking big buck Mecca, but then it's got, you know, it's really tapered down, but he's killing, I mean, you look at some of the bucks he's killed, it's like, holy shit. Okay. So you're in and you're out. And but he he's out there and he's taking inventory. He's got how many different spots. He's driving here. He's driving there. That all takes time. If you're going to go, if I'm going fishing next weekend, I don't have time to go check out this spot for this buck. That is three months away from hunting. You know, that's kind of stuff. It takes that time and dedication and it's a focus. If you want to be a big buck killer, then that's what you're going to, that's pretty much all you're going to do. So, and that's my opinion. 
But I mean, so I guess from your opinion or for your, from your standpoint or from listening to all these guys and being present in all of these conversations, right. And processing all the information, then if we were going to end it on this, right. So where would you prioritize your time? If you had three, like if you said, okay, these are the three things that you should prioritize if you want to be better. So it, like, let's say John Borsma does like to go fishing, does like to go camping, does like to go wine tasting, and, and, and all of these things. So you you've only got finite amount of time. So what would be the three things where you would prioritize after listening to all of these big butt killers? Well, I'd have to quit all that shit and just go. No, I mean you gotta look at. You got to get out and, and do your your scouting. You got to look at properties. Where are the big... Okay. Look up on the DNR website, whatever. If there's the information on where these bigger bucks are going. And then look at the public land and, and then go through, like with, you know, Dan Infault. Read his books or, or watch his videos. Read Eberhard's books and narrow down the the... You know, that's the thing too. It's like the overlooked spots. There's all the guys listening to these podcasts with Dan and Fault. Now uh, they're looking at these spots. So it's getting even tougher. But get out there, find the property, and then incorporate your trail cams. You know, that's the one thing that I've never, you know, never put the time because I'm on public land too. It's like I don't want to invest a hundred bucks in something and then have it ripped off. You know, my buddy Jason's done that and he's, he's like, well, I buy the cheaper ones because, you know, I usually lose two or three a year or whatever. Um, and I was like, well, I'm good with just going out and hunting, but I'm not a big buck killer. I'm not, you know, I don't call myself big buck killer. You know, people sure the hell don't call me that. <laughs> my brother now. So that's the thing. My brother has killed a ton of big bucks and it's usually it's pretty consistent you know but what he do like he worked up north and that's all he did like he's up he's out of town working and so when he wasn't working he was scouting and he knew what these where these bucks were living what they were doing what bucks were in the area for the most part and yeah every once in a while a new one might come through but he's in the area where those other bucks are at so he knows he knows the lay of the land. You know, he knows what's there. He knows how the bucks, and he knows how the deer move through that property or these properties. So it's time invested, you know, and you get, you reap the rewards. But so I guess I got off on a tangent, you know, the three things I would do, but spend more time, spend more time, spend more time. So then the, I guess the flip side of that is, for the everyday guys that are like me, that maybe they don't have time, maybe they can't get out there. So you take the information, like Frank, okay? Uncle Frank, So he's so, killed a shitload of deer, right? But not big ones. Not a ton of big ones. Not, I mean, maybe a couple. But Uncle Frank go out and look at the woods and be like, oh, there's deer coming through here. And he can get on them. Right away. 
Immediately. Immediately. And he kills him. And he's happy with that. So for the people that are like coming new into this, that's that's the thing too is you don't want to have the biggest buck of your life walk in front of you and that be the first freaking deer you're going to shoot at because I guarantee you you're going to miss it. That happened to me with a freaking elk. You know, I don't care how seasoned the shooter you are and everything when that when that happens. You need to get some under your belt. Well, I was just going to say that maybe they just need to have fun. Exactly. You know? That's the thing. You know, and then when shooting, when shooting small bucks or shooting does stop being fun, then you can make, start to make the jump. But I think, but I think that that's where, like, I, I think that that's where we come in. Right. Right. Because it's like, I don't have anything to prove to anybody and I'm, I'm just having a ball. And I think that that's where, I think, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, when I come across that deer up there where I've put in all that time and I've done all that work, and I know, like, I am I can already see it in my head. Like, and I think that that's, like, what, you know, when you talk to these guys, they already have, like, an idea in their head of, like, how it's going to work. Like, I can already see in my head, like, exactly how it's going to work. Like, I have, I have no, um, like, I have no doubt that if I were to hunt here during the rut or like the pre-rut, the time that's building up to it, I'm no doubt in my mind, like that I'm going to be able to kill a deer there. And like that just freaking like super excites me. And I don't have like any aspirations that, Oh man, it's going to be this big one because right. You know, they could have been killed earlier in the season. They could have been killed when I was elk hunting. Could have been, you know, lots of this stuff. But I'm not going to not. I, I I learned that in Missouri when I let that deer walk and I look at that video and I look back at like, well, I should have just, you know, could have killed a bigger one. Well, it's like I would have been ecstatic say, you- to be looking at that deer right now. Exactly. That's the thing. It's like, and so that's where I don't, I don't go out and hunt to prove myself to anyone. I don't go out to hunt to make anyone, you know, impressed. It's, I go out to hunt cause I enjoy hunting. And if I don't kill something, I don't kill it, you know? And, but I also, I'm not, I, for me, it's not my priority to go out and do all. I mean, yeah, we have a hunting podcast, but I have all this other stuff that I enjoy doing. You're a hunting personality PS, <laughs> but <laughs> I have all this other stuff I enjoy doing and yeah, I enjoy getting out in the woods and doing stuff, but I don't enjoy it when it's hot and muggy and the mosquitoes are tearing me up. You know, I'm like, yeah, I just, I'm not feeling the scouting thing right now. And so I'm fine with not being out there. And if it comes to the point where I don't kill a big buck because of that, Hey, I mean, I'm all right. If I go out and see some decent deer, you know, bucks, see, you know, just get out and be in nature. I'm good with that. You know, especially in the fall. Fall is my favorite time of year, be in the woods. You know, it's nice and cool. You got, you know, the leaves falling, all that shit. I just like being out there. And so, yeah, if I kill one and my wife's like, all right, you don't need to hunt as much because you killed one. So it's like, well, I don't necessarily need to kill it. Well, I think that that's one of the things too, is that like, 
So I just did get out my computer. I'm going to show John right here, the deer last year. But like, that's what's been fun, like extremely fun. And I think you can echo this like a hundred percent, like while we were turkey hunting, just simply because of that, like the videoing has made it so much more fun because you don't have to kill them to show somebody. You can right. see like how close it got or like, oh, yeah, this is the this one, out. like whatever. And you can show it. You can relive it and, and all of that. So I think that's what we're going to kind of end on is like just, you know, just remember that if if you want to go to that next level, it's there's a big giant gap. And so remember that you're you just need to go out there and have fun you know, hunt for yourself, you know, stay within your capabilities. And, you know, all that being said, John and I have both killed big ones a hundred percent, like, you know, right place, right time. Um, but there's a lot of luck. There's, a, you know, a lot of things had to come together to do it. So, you know, have fun enough time in the woods and you'll get your opportunities, Right. you know? So, but I, I think, I think having fun and like understanding like, well, here's the thing. If you're out there and you're not having fun and I, we say that a lot, like, what the fuck am I doing? I hate this, but, but you're really having fun, but that's the key. <laughs> I mean, you, you got to look back, but like, yeah, it was miserable, but it was fun. Yeah. You know, or in, in hunting camp, you know, the camaraderie and all that, you know, like when that was one of the best things about, you know, I don't know, hanging out down in Ohio, you know, especially after like you killed your buck, whatever. And, you know, everyone's hooping and hollering, and, you know, and that, that was, that's all, you know, the best parts of it really. Yeah. But, well, and that's like, you know, we talked about it. Like when you came out last year when I killed my deer, it's like, I was out there hunting by myself. Like right. <laughs> I had nobody to like high five or nothing. Like I just was waiting for Josh, <laughs> you know, but it's just, you gotta have fun. Um, you know, so, uh, basically from this podcast, like that's what we're doing this year. Um, know your equipment practice. Yeah. You ought to and, yeah, get out there, shoot your bows, get them tuned right. And, uh, have, have fun. Yeah. So, well, all right guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Good night.